I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The FT Bonds are awful, says Warren Buffett. But what's the alternative? How green investing is going mainstream. And all the personal finance news from this week's Queen's Speech. I'm Jonathan Ely and I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form with the help of my FT colleagues Elaine Moore. Hello. And Joe Cumbo. Hello. Plus our special studio guest, Jonathan Clark, Chairman of Barchester Green Investment. Hello. Last week saw one of the most curious spectacles in the financial calendar. It was the annual general meeting of Berkshire Hathaway, the investment vehicle of Warren Buffett. Thousands of Berkshire shareholders converge on the small city of Omaha in midwestern Nebraska to eat steak dinners, drink cherry coke and listen to the great man and his partner Charlie Munger dispense investment wisdom with their customary folksy charm. Mr Buffett also uses the event to tour his favourite television studios and it was during one of these interviews that he offered some thoughts on the state of the fixed income market. Bonds, he said, are awful. He's owned them in the past but would not touch them now. This seems to back up all that talk about a bubble in the bond market. But what's the alternative? Many cautious investors either don't want the risks and volatility that equities bring, or they don't want to be getting into the stock market at a time when the FTSE 100 index is nudging up against its 2007 high. Elaine Moore has been taking a look at uh, Mr Buffett's interview. First of all, Elaine, what exactly was his objection to bonds? Well, in general, he was he was talking up the US economy, really. So he's saying that the prospects for uh, for the US are good, um, and we know that growth has improved in the US, although it's not back to where it was. Um, so he's saying that the prospects for companies in the US is uh, are brilliant. What he's also saying is that he felt very sorry for people who were uh, who had invested in uh, in bonds uh, i think he called them terrible investments so what he's saying is that um we had the stock market crash 2008 we've had you know people are very very scared about where to put their money a lot of them went to bonds which are traditionally a, a safe place to put your money in it's where you can get fixed income uh, but what has happened is that interest rates are very low. If this situation reverses, if, if interest rates rise, then what he's saying is that a lot of people could lose a lot of money if they're invested in long-term bonds. The point is, he, you know, he's one of the richest men in the world. He's America's most famous investor. But one of the big points about this is he's not the only person who's been who's been sort of waving the a red flag about bonds. 
Okay, now UK investors uh, poured billions and billions of pounds into bond funds. They were among the best sellers for much of um, 2011. And in fact, in the aftermath of the of the credit crunch, they recorded some very good uh, gains, 50 or 60% in some cases. Does this mean that we should all now be, be heading for the exits and that those investors have, have potentially got it wrong? They were really popular. They're becoming less and less popular. So because of all the talk about a potential bond bubble, uh, retail investors are less interested in fixed income and they are putting a lot more money into stocks and shares. So there's a recent figures for the for the beginning of this year show that there is a bit of a shift going on. Um, the, the big question that no one can really answer is whether there is this great rotation. That's a term that's also talked about a lot along with a bond bubble. So whether this is the beginning of a new financial cycle, whether we're going to have growth in the in the global economy and everyone's going to be a lot more comfortable with risk than they're going to come out of bonds, move into equities. The problem is, uh, first, as you said, there's potential for a bond bubble. Maybe bonds um, have been so popular that they uh, have been priced incorrectly or they've been priced too highly. Um, there's also the, the problem that some people say that a lot of bond funds are very, very big and they're quite illiquid. So if everybody tries to head out at the same time, that could be catastrophic for people who invest a lot of their money in it. But then the experts that I've spoken to this week have, have generally said, yes, equities do look a bit better, better than bonds, but don't sell completely out of bonds. Bonds are really useful if you need fixed income, if you are concerned about security. Equities aren't actually for everybody and are not for 100% of your portfolio. So maybe um, keep some bonds for certain purposes and maybe look elsewhere as well for for fixed income if it, that is what you need. Okay, well you say look elsewhere, but um, if, if you are of the mind that there is a, a bubble in bonds and you are also a bit nervous about the volatility and the risks of equities, especially after such a strong um, first quarter. Um, are there any alternatives, really? The alternatives don't look brilliant, actually. So some of the um, portfolio managers that I've been speaking to have said that where they're, where they're investing in bonds, some of them have been looking more at high yields. So this is also known as junk bonds, which doesn't sound especially promising, but that's a US term. That's not a term we use in the UK so much. Um, so they're saying that there is still value to be found in these alternatives. So, you know, if you put money in gilts, then that may not be uh, brilliant when inflation is actually quite high at the moment. But if you're looking elsewhere, if you look at high yield, then you can get 4%, 5% and that's a bit better. But then it's up to you whether you think that that return is worth the risk that you're taking on. Alternatives, you could look at equity income. So um, you could look at infrastructure. This traditionally offers attractive yields. Um, but then it, it, I've been looking at investment trusts that invest in, in infrastructure and they, uh, they trade at quite high premiums. So if you want to go into an alternative, you are going to have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. No easy answers then. Thank you very much, Elaine. You can read more about the bond bubble, or lack thereof, in this weekend's FT Money, which is available on both Saturday and Sunday as part of your regular weekend FT newspaper. If you have a tablet device, why not check out our brand new web app? Or you can read online at www.ft.com forward slash money. If you want to leave comments, you can do so online or email us. The address is money at ft.com. Still to come on the show, what was in the Queen's speech for savers and investors? But first, let's take a look at green investing. 20 years ago, this was really the preserve of the seriously committed, those who are less interested in making a fortune and more into saving the planet and making a statement about their personal values. But times are changing. Earlier this year, the Greencoat UK Wind Fund floated on the stock market not on the basis of how many turbines it would erect or how many tonnes of carbon emissions it would save, but on the 6% yield its shares would offer to investors. 
For many of them, financial returns are now just as important as ethical ones, and there are many more options available to investors who want to make some money and do something positive, from banking with an ethical bank to installing solar panels on their roof, for instance, or buying a fund that only invests in companies that take their environmental obligations seriously. I'm joined now by Jonathan Clark, who is chairman of Barchester Green Investments, a financial advice firm that specialises in ethical and environmental investments. Jonathan, Barchester has been involved in this uh, business for, for getting on for 30 years now. Uh, what are the main changes you've seen in that time? And is it correct to say that financial motivations are now much more important than they used to be? Well, the first change is, uh, as you would expect in a sector that has developed over a 30-year time period, uh, that there is now a much wider range of uh, ethical and environmental funds available than there were in the early days. The first ethical fund in the UK was launched in 1984. Uh, that was the Friends Providence Stewardship Fund. And uh, it was predominantly an ethical fund, but with some uh, commitment to environmental investment as well. Uh, this was then joined over the next three or four years by a, a host of funds which were you know, either tended to be either ethical or environmental. And in the early days, almost all of the funds were equity-based, uh, either UK or international. Uh, over the last uh, 15 to 20 years, that range has widened greatly so that there are now corporate bond funds available, uh, mixed funds, managed funds, and, and so on. Uh, so there is something from the, for the uh, very risk-averse investor to the, uh, the more speculative uh, <coughs> investor. Uh, so I, that's the, the first uh, major change which I think we've seen um, in that 30-year time period. Whether people are, uh, I'm not so sure that people are more committed uh, to ethical investment than they were or less committed. I think the uh, the character has changed and the priorities have changed. Um, people reflected by the funds available, people tended to be ethical or environmental. Nowadays, um, they have a range of concerns, and uh, perhaps the environment is the single biggest issue. And as you hinted in the uh, in, in your introduction, there are many more investments available for the more closely defined environmental investment. Okay, now critics of environmental funds say that they're doomed to underperform um, inevitably in some cases because because they simply can't invest across the whole of the market. They can't buy tobacco shares, they can't buy uh, nuclear power or things like that. Um, is that true or is that something of an oversimplification? Well, I think the first thing we need to distinguish is between environmental funds and ethical funds. Environmental funds are themed investments which are looking specifically to include companies involved in solar energy, wind farms, uh, waste management and so on. Uh, so they, by definition, probably won't be investing in tobacco companies or, or alcohol companies and so on. Uh, the, uh, the ethical funds... Um, do have those sorts of exclusions. <clears throat> and uh, I would say that uh, exclusion of the what we call the rogue companies, if you like, uh, actually may make the ethical funds less uh, risky because you're excluding companies that are in uh, industries which may be subject to, for example, government legislation, displeasure by consumers over tobacco, for example, uh, or untimely oil spills and disasters, as we saw with, with BP, which is excluded from a number of ethical funds. So there, there is the, the level of risk is uh, perhaps diminished rather than increased uh, by being in a, um, an ethically screened fund. Okay. Now, one advisor told me this week that um, actually when you look under the bonnet <clears throat> of these funds, the mandate 
for environmental funds and what they uh, what they do and don't and can and can't invest in can actually differ uh, very widely between one fund to the other. What are the main sort of styles and the main points of difference between them? Yes, I think that's uh, one of the developments which we've seen over the years, which is very welcome. So we, for example, would look at a fund like uh, the Cames or Scottish Equitable uh, Ethical Fund, which is uh, very much uh, it's ethically defensive. It's not looking to invest in anything environmental. Uh, it's quite clearly a fund which wants to exclude uh, certain no-nos, uh, tobacco, gambling, pornography, and so on. So that's a very <clears throat> defensive, e- ethical fund. Uh, on the other hand, we would perhaps look at uh, the, the more environmental funds, such as uh, Cheviot's uh, Climate Assets Fund, which is, uh, as, as its name suggests, uh, looking to uh, invest or companies involved in, the, in those uh, development of environmentally friendly products. Not necessarily putting in uh, big ethical exclusions, uh, but by default, the, the type of companies that they're positively selecting are unlikely to be uh, involved in uh, activities that would offend a potential investor. Okay, and finally, Jonathan, do you have any personal favourites in the in the environmental space? Any funds that you think are particularly interesting? Well, the Cheviot Climate Assets Fund, which I just mentioned, we think is uh, a good fund because it's. Uh, invests uh, across a range of uh, star, not just uh, into equities but across fixed interest uh, instruments as well so it makes environmental investing less risky for the investor we like the uh, web sustainability fund uh, which has a highly professional uh, uh, research team and, and fund management uh, and both web and cheviot are uh, examples of what we call boutique funds with a relatively small outside of a big institution uh, with a very approachable uh, fund management and research team which enables us to monitor very closely what's going on thank you very much jonathan you can read lots more about environment themed investments in this weekend's ft money where we also look at things like roof mounted solar panels and fixed term bonds in wind turbine projects all of these investments are regularly promoted as sources of reliable and often indexed linked income one final word on this subject if anyone contacts you about trading carbon credits beware these might sound like a great green money spinner but they're much more likely to be a scam We'd also like to hear your views on all things green. You can get in touch via our website at ft.com forward slash money or email us direct. The address, once again, is money at ft.com. Finally, the Queen made headlines this week by letting it be known that she will not attend the Commonwealth Heads of Government Conference in the autumn, the first time she has chosen not to do so since 1973. But closer to home, Her Majesty did open Parliament for the umpteenth time uh, this week and laid out the government's legislative programme for the coming year. Joe Cumbo has been taking a look at what was in the speech and what was missed out. Joe, first, uh, let's start with the plans for the state pension, which we've discussed uh, a lot in the in the past uh, six months or so. Is that going to be in the speech? Yes, um, what the Queen uh, did say was that uh, her government will bring forward legislation this year to have a single tier state pension introduced by 2016. Currently, there's a basic state pension of about £107 Mm. per week and it's various earnings-related add-ons which allow individuals to um, get a bigger state pension. But because there are so many components to the current system, it's very difficult for people to know exactly what their state pension will be when they retire. However, the new state pension introduced from April 2016 will sweep away this complex system and replace it with a single payment of about £144 per week in today's money. 
Okay, but people will have to work or contribute for longer to to actually get their hands yes, on that. Yes, that's the won't catch.、They? Yes, the、uh, basic level is maybe a lot higher, but currently、uh, you can get a full basic state pension if you have a national insurance contribution record of thirty years. But under the new system from twenty sixteen, this is going to rise to thirty five years. You'll have to have five years more contributions to to get that one hundred and forty four pounds per week in today's money. Anyone. With a contribution record of seven to ten years or less, won't get anything, which is also new.、Mm-hmm. Now, in any big reform like this,、uh, it's a complex system to start with. There's always going to be winners and losers. Who are the winners and losers in in this? Well, the、uh, main word, winners will be the self-employed who will be able to build up, who currently are entitled to the state pension. They can't build it up because they're self-employed, so they will be entitled to build up、uh, credits for state pension under the new system. And also, many women who can't build up additional state pension because they've had broken career records. Or they're not higher earners now. Under the new system,、um, the most、uh, you will, will get can be about one hundred and forty-four pounds per week, as I said. But under the current system, it's one hundred and seven pounds per week. So there is an opportunity to earn a, a little bit more for state pension income. But the losers are mostly going to be higher earners who can currently build up bigger state pensions if they're contracted out of the state second pension. Okay, now sticking with pensions,、um, there was a, a bit of a kerfuffle、uh, earlier in the week、uh, about this news that、um, if if you are living overseas and your spouse、uh, dies, you will no longer be、uh, entitled to a state pension. Is that in the Queen's speech? No, this was something that happened quite separately. Steve Webb, the pensions minister, was in the news. Last week, last Sunday, over his statement that after 2016, spouses living overseas will no longer be entitled to receive state pensions based on their partner's national insurance record. Now that did grab a lot of attention with the newspapers and in the media this week, but the situation is that the scrapping of the married couples' pension is already part of the plans to move to a single tier. So, in fact, it's going to apply to it. All people, whether you live in this country or you've never set foot in this country, from 2016, you'll have to build up your own record, and you can no longer rely on inheriting your partner's or your spouse's、uh, pension. Okay, so effectively, that's actually not a new. No, he just wants. He, he just chose to highlight the situation for those spouses who might be living overseas who have never set foot in this country. Okay, and finally, there are some big changes coming up too in、um, in social care. We've talked about these before. That's now coming in, isn't it? Yes, there's been a lot of、uh, discussion over the care cap or putting、uh, limits on the cost that people must contribute towards、um, going into residential care, which can be very expensive. From April 2016, the government will introduce a £72,000 limit on the total lifetime care costs for older people needing social care. So the aim of that is to make sure that people don't face unlimited costs and, and aren't forced into the situation which many are at the moment of selling their homes to pay for those、uh, costs. So also from 2016, the threshold where the state will intervene in. Help pay for some of those costs is rising from twenty three thousand two hundred and fifty to one hundred and eighteen thousand pounds. So if you've got less than one hundred and eighteen thousand pounds in assets, including the family home, you will be entitled to some support from the state to help pay those costs. So that's up from the current twenty three thousand two hundred and fifty, which means that very few people at the moment are able to get any help from the state. 
Okay, thank you very much, Joe. We have a full Q&A about all the measures in the Queen's speech in this weekend's FT Money, which you can also read online at ft.com forward slash money. Other highlights in this week's edition. Is it possible to have too many tax breaks? I think so, especially if you're talking about AIM shares. If you're thinking of living abroad, temporarily or permanently, we've a guide to how to set up your finances. David Stevenson considers whether it's time to get out of resources shares, while Melissa Kidd of Lombard Street Research ponders whether Europe or the US is the best home for equity investors' money. And John Redwood updates on the progress of his thematic portfolio constructed entirely using exchange-traded funds. Don't forget that you can read us online at any time. You can email us at money at ft.com or you could join the 29,000 people who follow us on Twitter. The handle is just ftmoney. But until next week, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Joe, Elaine and our special guest, Jonathan Clark of Barchester Green Investment. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.